started writing Food for the Archons as a book of despair after watching my father die in 2013. During his transition, I experienced a series of paranormal and psychic events that left me feeling that I had either gone completely crazy or fell into humanity's darkest secret. I spent the next five years conducting extensive research, and I quickly learned that what I had experienced was real. My journey brought me to an understanding that showed me that despite the terrifying reality of an unseen predator, we as humans have a forgotten power. Just knowing this brings us tremendous hope in what once seemed a dark reality. I wrote this book for me in hopes of gaining a better understanding of our reality and relationship to it, but my hope is that you will find as much value in reading it as I did in writing it. I am human, food for the Archons, humanity's psychic connections, simulated realities, parallel worlds, and the manipulation of mankind. It's available on Amazon.com and at SixthSenseMedia.net and wherever books are sold. I'm Dennis Nappy II, reminding you to let your intuition be your guide. Thank you. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. There's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. Consciousness, reality, and the creation of the up-and-coming Facebook metaverse. Dennis Nappy II here, friends, with the Seeker Podcast, and I am right smack in the middle of a feedback loop, meaning things I've been writing about and exploring and remote viewing as I'm prepping for this show are all rushing into clarity. So I'm going to try my best to get through this discussion talking about a personal spiritual experience I've recently had and the upcoming creation of the Facebook metaverse and what that means for our own consciousness as we navigate our own spiritual growth and development. Definitely some challenging times that we're in right now for the spiritual journeyman or journey person. Um, it's, it's, it's not easy. When we think of a spiritual awakening, I think we often think about uh, just this beautiful, blissful experience. Uh, and we also, I think, perceive it being kind of a one and done. But I, I've been through many of these these shifts in my life, and they're they're traumatic. I mean, it, this uh, this is a hard journey. It, it's it challenges you on so many levels, depending on where you want to push yourself to, and. I go through bouts of, of depression and fear and anxiety and, and then questioning my own sanity sometimes as, as I'm, you know, you reach the stage and like, oh yeah, I figured this out. I got it. And you're all confident. And then out of nowhere one day, you just get hit with a question or a piece of information and it could come from anywhere. And it just, it just, what I've noticed is this data, I'll call it data, it starts to slowly unpack itself in your mind, in your consciousness, and in your being over time. And I, I equate it to, it's like a zip file. And you know, if you use an older computer with, with less RAM, then it takes a while to really open up and process that file. 
And I feel that that's what happens to me sometimes is I get something that's so big that sometimes it'll take me weeks or months to assimilate that information that has come to me. And where is it coming from? I I did a show, I think the last show I did talking about this could come from so many different places. Sometimes it's me. Sometimes I I suspect that it's not me. Um, So I want to talk about kind of an experience I had. Um, And then before I get into that, I'd like to give a uh, an exciting announcement here coming up, hopefully within the next week or two. My very good friend Edward Reardon, the remote viewer with the crypto viewing team, uh, a friend of mine, a colleague of mine, he is coming back on the show. You might know him from our QAnon discussions. We talked about remote viewing Vamanas with Edward. We talked about remote viewing Pando, which is one of the oldest life forms on the planet. Um, Never a dull moment. I I would listen to every word that this man says and has to offer. He's done some incredible things on his YouTube channel right now. That's out there for you to consume if you're interested in uh, in remote viewing, but not just remote viewing, consciousness and our greater reality. Edward is a true explorer, and he does go out and he searches for answers and he shares what he finds with his uh, YouTube followers. So check him out, Edward Reardon on YouTube, and I'll have him on the show in the next week or two talking more about remote viewing, and I'm going to try to pick his brain and see what else we can learn from him, because it's a, it's never never a dull discussion with, uh, with Edward, so look forward to that. I'm excited to have him coming on the show. Okay, so I want to talk about uh, these experiences, and just to give a little clarity, the book, I Am Human and We're Not Who We Think We Are, that I released a few years ago. Um, that's the free ebook that you can also buy it on Amazon, but presently it's a free ebook. Um, you can download it at sixcentsmedia.net slash I am human. And that, that story started, which evolved into my Food for the Archons project, started in 2009. And I remember it clearly. I was, I was, uh, it started when I was outside in my backyard, standing in front of my shed one day, and I started getting this feeling in my head of information. And by that night when I went to bed, I just, my mind and my heart were just racing, just racing. Like, what is this reality? Reality isn't real. It's not what it seems. What's going on? And I couldn't, I couldn't sleep. So I got up and I I went to my computer and I just started writing because none of this made any sense. And I just, I get this way when I get emotional and and like uh, psychic stuff starts happening. I just start writing and it's not, it feels like total nonsense. And when I was done, some nine pages later, I think I had this powerful essay about reality. What is reality? And it was using all these metaphors and just shifted my focus in how I see the natural world and the life lessons I can learn about my reality from asking certain questions. So, and that one started in 2009. I'm still unpacking it, that, that data now, but it took me to really understand it, to write that book, probably five years to fully grasp the depth of that information. And I equate some of that process as I talked to, talked about last week uh, or two weeks ago with remote viewing and getting your feedback and, and you're tying into a signal line. Now, as a writer, I am not remote viewing. I am not following a structured process or structured protocol, but I do believe that that creative process, my creative process as a writer, I'm tapping into something from somewhere else and I'm extracting information and refining it. Much different than remote viewing, but Still, I think gathering data because as I look at my writing and now I look at the future, 
I'm now getting feedback on things that I've written and going, yep, that's proven. Yep, that's happening. Yep, I can see that now. And that's the process I was going through. I'm going to read from Food for the Archons, and uh, things are falling into place for me. Some of it's been an oh shit moment um, as I'm looking at this. So I, my writing is not remote viewing, but um, the the feeling and the I think the mechanism is very similar to how we're collecting information. So. Um, let me start with an experience I recently had, and I'm going it, to, it's very personal to me, so I'm only going to share parts of it, but I had an encounter, and this, this encounter turned me upside down. Um, I, all I can say is I, I, my heart chakra was suddenly opened wide. There was an event that I was present at, and it caused my heart chakra to open wider than it normally is opened. And it was, um, it was an incredible experience. And then about an hour after the incident was over, I relived it, and it opened even wider. And it was, it was just an ability to feel things in a way that was, it was like hypersensitive. I'm, I'm, I'm very empathic. I'm very in tune with what's around me and the feelings and emotions of people. And it's something I practice every day as a, as a school administrator interacting with students who are in emotional states as a, as a father. I'm constantly interacting with people's emotions and gathering that data and then getting feedback on that data. So I know, hey, what I'm feeling and perceiving, I'm now getting feedback from you that, yes, it's correct. And this was a thousand percent stronger than anything that I do regularly on a daily basis. It was, it was almost too powerful for me to bear. And I didn't sleep for a week as all of this, because then what's happening is I'm getting data through my heart and then my conscious mind is trying to interpret it and then my conscious mind is trying to sabotage it so it was this battle between my intuition and my conscious mind um now side note i in september i did a remote viewing session that i just published 10 minutes ago today's october 24th uh, i published part of a remote viewing session i did a front-loaded session and it was remote viewing my future consciousness and I wanted to get advice from myself in the future to help myself in the present through some challenges that I was going through in my life. And I did this crazy session, and I, I, I recommend you watch it. Like I said, it's on my YouTube channel. I'll have it linked in the show notes for you. Um, but one of the things that I wrote down was, as it, I, I stated, it's as if it's a battle between my heart and my mind, a battle of fear versus love. And I went in to kind of describe it, and that's exactly what I went through. And I'm still, right now I feel exhausted. Like, the, the bulk of that experience is over. It was a huge learning experience for me. I learned a lot of things about myself, a lot of personal things about myself. Um, and it was, it was hard. It was just, it's just hard. Your reality shifts, your paradigm shifts, um, and, and ultimately it's growth. Um, but it, it was, 
so I can say is, is it was hard and I'm not, I'm not through it yet. I'm, I'm still going through it. Um, but in, in going through that, you know, if you want to grow, if you want to learn, if you want to have these experiences, you need to understand that these things can happen. It's, I can't stress it enough. It's not, it's not easy. Um, but I'm also at a point in my journey where it's, it's like, once I get a glimpse of what else, well, then I don't want to live in this behind this veil anymore. So I step through it. I, I just can't, I can't look away at this point. So this is the process. This is the journey I'm in it. I remember about a month before I joined the crypto team, I did a show talking about this. I had a, a dream state experience where there was a being in my room and they did something to my head. I felt a pressure in my head and it said, this is going to allow you to see. I had no idea what that was talking about. And then a month later, uh, I was asked to join crypto viewing. And then shortly after that, I started my training as a remote viewer. And I'm, I'm tying that as a correlation um, that a guide or someone or something on the other side did something to my energy body or my crown chakra or my third eye, felt like my crown chakra, that has allowed me to um, advance or, or begin my remote viewing journey. So these things happen. And then I take my feedback as, well, now look where I'm at as a, I, I'm learning remote viewing shortly after I've had that experience. So I don't know where this one's leading me. Uh, I feel like I'm just rambling on right now, but this is therapeutic for me. So hopefully those of you listening, um, you know, you can relate as well or, or gain some some benefit from it in knowing that if you've had an experience, uh, the hardship that shall pass. And, uh, you know, but that's the learning process. The learning process is, is, can be very hard. Um, we can read books, we can talk to people, we can have teachers, we can have gurus and there's, there's a lot to be gained from them. I think those lessons and lectures help us to better navigate, help us to, to ask better questions. But the best learning experience is when you're out there in the wilderness alone and forced to face that fear and say, what am I going to do with this? Am I going to, am I going to ignore it? Am I going to turn around and run back and pretend that it never happened? Or am I going to walk deeper into the unknown, the road less traveled by myself? And uh, there's been times where, you know, I'm not ready. There's other times like this one where I, I, I push into it and it's, it's scary. Um, I don't know what else to say about that, but I want to, I want to tie this, I'm going to tie this in. Um, before I do that, this causes us, as I'm going through this journey, I have learned as almost a continual meditation to pay attention to my thoughts. And this is what the show, the last show was about, realizing that I'm not my thoughts. I've been paying attention to my thoughts pay close attention to my feelings and I pay attention to my physical body and I look at the interactions and the impacts they have on me. And after this process recently that I went through, I lost complete control of everything. And all I could see was that my thoughts and my emotions were spiraling out of control and I felt powerless to stop them. I felt powerless to take control of it. And I was just drowning and spinning uh, in a direction that it's like being in the ocean and being sucked under 
in a vortex and really not even trying to swim to the top because you don't know where the top is. Um, it was hard. It was horrible. But I, I think I've found my direction now and uh, I'm swimming through it. And now I'm at a point after about a week, week and a half, where I think I have my wits about me again and I can start to now pay attention. And I started looking at the signals that come to me and the, the traps of feeling and thought that my mind gravitates towards. Uh, and this ties into some dopamine studies that I've been studying about, that pleasurable release in your brain when your phone alerts you that you have a message or that you continue watching a viral video or a TikTok or a YouTube, you know, those short clips, they're designed to activate those pleasure centers in your mind. And I was looking at other things in my life that trigger a similar response and realized how, how out of control I was in that feedback process. The desire is what was driving me. And I, I came to this realization literally this morning or last night. Um, so now I, I, can't, I can't give up my phone. I'm, I'm connected to too many things. I can't. I'm stuck. I'm addicted. I get it. But I'm trying now to allow myself to take better control of myself. So what I've, one of the things I've started doing, whenever my phone alerts me, whether it's a text, a tweet, uh, an email, whatever it is, before I, I won't look at it, and I say to myself, I'm in control. How do I want to feel? And I just take a minute and I reflect on that. And then I'll, I'll wait. I'll try to give myself five, 10 minutes before I check my phone. And sometimes I'll forget about it. And I've noticed in just doing that today, just every time my phone vibrates in my pocket, I say, I'm in control. And I'm saying this mantra over and over and over again to, to empower myself and remind myself that this technology has the power to take over. It has. I have Pavlovian responses to, to my phone when it alerts. That's not a good thing. So I am taking control back with that simple phrase, I am in control. And, and so far, like I said, I think it's working, but I still feel always all this other stuff go. Why am I sharing that information with you? There's an article I came across recently. Uh, I'm gonna, I came across it recently, but it's dated April 28th, 2021. This one is from SeekingAlpha.com. I'll have it linked in the show notes at SixthSenseMedia.net. It's titled, Metaverse, Facebook is Leading the Paradigm Shift. The summary of it, Metaverse is the new paradigm that provides endless opportunities. Facebook is the current leader in both hardware and software in the metaverse business. Remember the word business, please. With almost no direct competition, Facebook will create the next iPhone, the next Facebook, and the next society virtually. We're going to come back to that as well, because that's what I talked about in Food for the Archon. So skipping ahead in this article to the heading, what is metaverse and its potential? Reading from the article here, quote, Metaverse is basically a fictional universe that connects with our reality. In other words, it is another universe accessed virtually, and the combination of this virtual universe and the actual universe make up the term metaverse. For example, 
Metaverse can be an online platform where users can enjoy a virtual society where people can gather to work, play, or socialize. Mark Zuckerberg realized that the metaverse, or the virtual world, will be the future, would be the future years ago. As a result, Mr. Zuckerberg bought a VR, virtual reality company called Oculus in 2014, and said the following about the metaverse. Imagine enjoying a courtside seat at a game, studying in a classroom of students and teachers all over the world, and consulting with a doctor face-to-face just by putting on goggles in your home. This is really a new communication platform. By feeling truly present, you can share unbounded spaces and experiences with the people in your life. Imagine sharing not just moments with your friends online, but entire experiences and adventures. There are just some, these are just some of the potential uses. By working with developers and partners across the industry, together we can build many more. One day, we believe this kind of immersive, augmented reality will become a part of our daily life for billions of people. Mr. Zuckerberg was not joking. Today, 10,000 Facebook employees, or 20% of the entire Facebook workforce, are working in the Reality Lab division, developing VR and AR technology. However, Facebook's non-advertising revenue in the December quarter in 2020 was only $885 million, or about 3% of the total revenues. Wow. I think this clearly shows that the virtual world can truly be the next big thing, and Facebook is taking it seriously. Mark Zuckerberg, since 2014, expressed immense excitement for the metaverse. Then, what exactly is the potential of the metaverse? All right. I'm going to pause there. I'm going to talk about uh, some of the other things that I'm, I'm looking at with, uh, with the shift to cryptocurrency and things like NFTs and how that's going to play a role because money is moving into this, uh, this cryptocurrency. More and more, we're seeing automation taking over. So we're going to have this augmented reality that's out there, this augmented reality that exists where we can put on goggles and we can see our home, but within that home, we're going to have things that exist in this other, quote, fictional universe. We're going to have AI characters. We're going to have other people that could potentially appear in little windows and seem as if they're sitting in our home. Think Star Wars when they have those meetings and you see the holograms sitting there. That's what we're going to be looking at with this augmented reality. In addition, you're going to have the opportunity to engage in the economy in this metaverse. There is big business that is booming, that is going to be booming in the metaverse, in this other universe that will augment our own. Sounds a lot like what they call subspace or other dimensions, spirit realms, planes of existence. They are creating another one. And I believe it's a very similar mechanism to what we can access spiritually or through consciousness and exploration. Looking at the work of Bob Monroe and his focus levels that he talks about in his books and his research and and everything that he's done. So this is going to be a way to entertain yourself, to interact with people, but ultimately to spend money or if you're an entrepreneur, to earn money. Side note here, nothing that I can, well, I guess I can prove it with the timestamp. I started writing a book about five years ago. It's about three quarters of the way done, and I had to put it on the shelf for a little bit because it was an overwhelming process. But 
in hearing this metaverse coming out, I open my book with a chapter describing exactly that. This is one of those things where I said I'm getting a lot of feedback as I'm prepping for this show where I was describing a classroom, a virtual reality classroom where everybody's home, but when you put on your goggles, it's like you're sitting in the desks. And the weird thing is, this was way before COVID when I wrote about this. Uh, so I'm just amazed at you know the things that ended up in my head, that ended up on my screen, that are now ending up in reality. Um, it's a lot for me to think about process. But uh, I'm going to read this part that talks about the potential here. And then I'm going to move on. So the potential, back to the article, the potential and margin in a virtual world would be close to limitless. With the advent of the pandemic, numerous conglomerates have tested remote work and many companies are allowing employees to work remotely forever. The picture of a virtual desktop setup shows above is one example of this possibility and Facebook is selling the service for $19.99 in its own store inside its virtual reality. The moment will not stop with virtual offices. Users will be socializing, playing games, and meeting on platforms as well. Imagine going to a virtual, virtual concert or movie theater. And they have a picture of a virtual office that you set up with your, uh, with your goggles on, and it's got all these different windows and screens and your keyboard. It's crazy. And then you have a virtual meeting where people are looking at, it looks like the Mars rover, and people are standing there as holograms in this virtual meeting. Uh, I hope you can see where it's going now because it is obvious. Facebook is not only creating a virtual social media, Facebook is creating a virtual society. People will be able to literally do anything they do in the real world through the virtual platform. The benefit, Facebook will be like Apple where they sell hardware and leverage that hardware to sell service businesses inside the virtual platform. Users will be able to watch movies, meet in offices, play games, purchase clothes, and advertise in the virtual world. Financial benefits cannot be estimated today, but just imagine the endless possibilities keep in mind as they talked about in these recent documentaries online about the social media influence on society we are the product do not forget that let's take this a little bit spiritual here um but not so much i think a spiritual interpretation of scientific processes i'm going to read from from my book i am human food for the archons uh i'm going to be looking at a chapter in my book titled proof of the matrix just going to read a little bit here I took this first quote from the book of Zostrianos out of the Nag Hammadi library, the Nag Hammadi library were the Gnostic texts that were uh, buried over about 2,000 years ago and uncovered in 1945. So these were the unedited texts. This was the greatest act of revolution as the Roman Catholic Church was taking over and putting their spin on the Christ narrative. So this is Zostrianos. He's saying, as for me, I did not stop seeking a place of rest worthy of my spirit. I would not be bound in the perceptible world. Then, as I was deeply troubled and gloomy because of the feeble-mindedness that surrounded me, I dared to act and to deliver myself to the wild beasts of the desert for a violent death. What I love about Zostrianos is, as, as far as I can tell, he's one of the earliest seekers of truth. He's one of the first truth seekers. And he was trying to find more he believed that there was more to this reality and he couldn't figure it out. And he was frustrated that everybody around him didn't seem to care. Does that sound familiar? And he was so frustrated, he said, I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to throw myself to the beasts. And when he did that, when he finally committed and said, I'm done, I want to die because I can't stand this anymore, then something appeared to him. Now, 
let me be quite clear. Don't go through a similar path because there's no guarantee that you're going to be saved. So please don't follow this literally. This is just his story. I want to be quite clear on that. Okay, I felt those moments of despair, and I'm still here. I fought through it. I expect you to do the same. All right. So as this, I forget what they called the spirit in the book, but as this, this spirit of wisdom or knowledge or this angel is, is taking him, uh, it's showing him the different realities, talks to him about aeons. And aeons are, aeons are like this consciousness, but they also serve as their own reality systems. That's my interpretation of it. So here's what I wrote in my book as I was trying to uh, interpret the Gnostic texts. The self-generated aeons offered to teach Zostrianos about the origins of the physical reality and Sophia's role. They explained that the physical universe was envisioned by Sophia, and then through her influence created by the Archon of Creation, they then go on to teach Zostrianos about the aeonic copies, which act to, quote, serve as a pattern by which incarnate souls are able to think that they see the ideal reality that truly exists, thus giving them an initial orientation toward intelligible reality, enabling them to be transferred from the mere visible copies of heavenly realities to their archetypal patterns contained in the truly existent sojourn, repentance, and self-generated aeons. Now, you're going to have to listen to that part. I don't know, maybe. You're probably smarter than I am. But I read that paragraph. I read that information. I read that whole section of the book of Zostrianos probably two dozen times because it was so complicated in my mind, the way it was worded. But what he's saying is that you have an aeon, and then you have an aeonic copy, which is a copy of your universe. And then you take a portion of your consciousness that transfers to that aeonic copy. That aeonic copy looks identical to your actual base reality. And that piece of your consciousness goes into that reality, and it learns something. And once it identifies its truth, it then merges back with the original consciousness, with base reality. Now, I've covered this in other shows, but it's relevant and it's coming up again, and I just want to share it with us now. I wonder if that is the cause of some of these downloads. If we go out into this other reality, a fraction of our consciousness, can we fragment our consciousness? I believe we probably can. If it goes out there and it has an experience and then it learns something, and then what's happening is it's reassimilating back into our own minds. It's like we're sending out an open data file that data file gathers the data that it needs, and then it re-merges back with our own internal processor and, and updates or uploads that information. I, I think that's what happens. So let's tie this all together. The metaverse, I think, represents, and, and in this section of my book, I talk about many examples, spiritual and scientific, of uh, evidence of these alternate realities, these parallel worlds, the multiverse theory, all of that stuff. I, I spent a lot of time exploring and explaining that. I, I recommend, if you've read the book, go back and reread it. Um, if this is interesting to you, if you haven't, you can get it, get the book on Amazon. Yes, it's a plug, but it helps support what I'm doing here. Um, but it, it, with this metaverse, it, it shows that it is possible to create another universe. And at some point, our consciousness 
will be able to seamlessly move in and out of these different universes. But I want to come back to what I said in the beginning when I was reading this article. I said, as I quote it from the article, Facebook is the current leader in both hardware and software in the metaverse business. Remember, Facebook is a business. The metaverse is being designed to run as a business. Now, if you read my book, let's take that a step further. When we talk in my chapters talking about louche and energy and the things that these parasites are consuming, okay? Some have compared our existence, our reality to a, a farm or a crop. We're producing something that is desirable. We are already connected to some kind of matrix reality or some kind of reality that's not what we think that it is. This will be the same thing. Now, I say that because I want us to be mindful of that. I talked about the process that I'm going through right now, the experience that I had, previous spiritual experiences that I've had where I've received information and it's forced me to pay attention to the signals that are coming into me and to put in this little intervention as simple as saying, I'm in control before I check my phone. When we connect to this metaverse, we are giving up some of that control. We are giving control of the input coming to our senses to whoever is programming that universe. And I suspect that's what's already happening in our present universe, and that's tough enough to navigate. So I think there's a lot of benefit that can come from going into this metaverse and interacting with it and exploring it. But we need to be careful not to lose ourselves. I've, I've held on from the beginning that if, if you are journeying through this spiritual experience, trying to understand and possibly trying to achieve escape velocity, getting lost in a metaverse or in a virtual reality or in transferring your consciousness to a server is bringing you in the opposite direction. It's bringing you layers down and we need to be going layers up. So I think it's worth being mindful of that and looking at looking at the feedback, looking at the things that I'll say that that I've said on this show for years now, that I've written about, that I've published, that I've talked about, and that we're now seeing it coming true. And I promise you that's not an ego statement. Like I said, as I was prepping for this show, surprised I got through it, I, I was just having all of these connections flooding into me um, and that are still coming in. So I would love to hear your thoughts on it. Throw some comments out there. Um, you know, let me know what you think. This is, um, this is some heavy stuff, my friends. You know, it, it, it can seem scary because it's unknown. Uh, and I know I just shared that I'm going through something that's, that's pretty difficult for me, but this is the journey. This is, this is the growth. And I think about the man that I am now, and I think back to the, the child that I was when I was in my early 20s, thinking that I knew what the heck was going on. And I was, I almost don't even like to remember who I was because of the confident ignorance that I carried with myself. And I suspect 10, 20 years from now, I will look back on me at this point in my life and say the same thing, although I'm not as confident anymore and hopefully a little bit more humbled. 
I know nothing other than I have lots to learn. And what I think I know right now may be only may only seem like truth because it serves as a teaching tool for me, only to be unraveled and unpacked when I achieve a certain level of understanding to realize that, nope, that wasn't correct, but I had to believe that to get to this. That's how, for me, this journey has worked sometimes. I believe things or look at things one way, and then my understanding of them changes as I grow. But that's the goal, isn't it, friends? To continue to grow, to learn, and to evolve, and to hopefully spread some peace and love and joy and, uh, and have some fun along the way. It's real easy right now to get caught up in all of the scary, sad things going on in this world. We need to take some time to find what we love. And that's really hard, you know, and I want to talk about real quick. I was thinking about this today as I was thinking about this show. We are conditioned, especially in Western society, to ignore the signals that our our mind, our consciousness, our heart, our body gives us. And if, like me, if you go through depression, sometimes we treat depression by self-medicating, by going on medication, by going into counseling, by doing all these different things. And we have valid reasons to go through depression. I listened to a quote, I think it was Jim Carrey was saying, like depression is, is sometimes there's chemical imbalances. I'm not going to argue that, but it, it's telling us that there's something wrong in our lives. And I know for me, when I get overwhelmed with work and responsibility and can't tap into the things that I love doing and exploring, I feel depressed. The problem is to do the things I love doing in the frequency that I know I need to be doing them is scary because that means I may have to quit my job. I may have to change major things about my life. And that's going through that fear. This whole journey is about Standing up and facing your fears. But those fears are so difficult sometimes because the consequences can be overwhelming. So, what do we do? We have to go to work. We have to pay our bills. We take a pill, take a drink, and we suffer through. I hope, I hope we can find a better way. I hope we can find a better way to bring balance to our lives so we're not feeling this loneliness, this confusion, this sadness. And maybe you're not feeling the things that I feel sometimes. I hope you're not. And I hope that I I believe in talking to some of my friends who are much further advanced than I am, they seem pretty happy. I think they've gone through their multiple dark nights of the soul and they've and they've found the balance that works for them. It's hard, my friends. Uh, like I said, I'm I'm in it. Um but I believe we can get through it. We just need to listen to those signals and take that action. Stand alone in that wilderness. Close your eyes in the dark. See how long you can stand there and then see what you learn. All right, friends, that's going to do it for this one. Uh, I encourage you to check out the show notes at sixcentsmedia.net. If you haven't done so already, please consider reading I Am Human, Food for the Archons. 
humanity's psychic connection, simulated realities, parallel worlds, and the manipulation of mankind. If you want to know more about the book, sixcentsmedia.net slash archons. I have a bunch of behind-the-scenes footage, interviews with the author, excerpts from the book, so you can get a better understanding of what this project is about. If you're ready to buy, you can find it on amazon.com. In addition, I just posted uh, on my YouTube channel, I'll have links to this as well, Remote Viewing My Future Consciousness. That was a pretty cool experiment that I did. I encourage you to check it out because it's relevant to this conversation. And that's it, my friends. Until the next one, look for it. Edward Reardon is coming on the show. I can't wait to have him on here and pick his brain and see what else he can share with all of you out there. I'm Dennis Nappy II. This has been another episode of the Seeker Podcast, where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning. Keep an open mind. And let your intuition be your guide. Thank you. Be water, my friend. Be water, my friend. Water, my friend, my friend.